World-class guests, fascinating stories, inspiring messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about educating ourselves. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Roshni Hevawasam. Roshni is an entrepreneur, mental health coach, author, humanitarian, and host of the podcast, Tao Podcast, The Pandemic Press. You can reach Roshni at her website, taoac.net, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Roshni. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. <laughs> I am so excited to be able to be talking with you from far, far away. You are quite the world traveler, being born in Sri Lanka, receiving yes. a scholarship to a prestigious medical university in Romania, and yeah. now you're living in France. So I would love to hear your story. You're just everywhere. Yeah, because the thing is that um, I believe in something that things happen for a reason, their destiny. So it just, like when we were born, we were born into a world and then we were given, given this sort of conditioning. So we didn't exactly know what we wanted. But um, for me, I just wanted to help people a lot. I had this intense desire to help people. It can be any way possible, but for me, it would be like a huge thing if I could help people. But um, I was born into a very strict culture, and that culture, the moment I told my mom that I love helping people, I don't know what is it, it's this intense desire to help people. And my mom said, surely that means you are a doctor. Because doctors help people, and that's what we learn in our conditioning and society in general. One of the best uh, careers in the world is to uh, do medicine, and it's the most second worst, most hardest course. And it's really tough to get into, especially coming from an island like Sri Lanka. Like we are considered last and um, in the priority list. So. We are expected to have like really high grades. And since we've been colonized by Britain long, long time ago, we followed the British syllabus. So I had, uh, I was very fortunate to actually attend the best schools, even though my parents like didn't have, wasn't, I wasn't coming from an extremely rich family. So my dad like really worked hard like tried his best to provide me with the best education possible and I worked hard for what I really wanted and as you can see I really like to learn I really like it doesn't matter the subject is like I love learning and because of that like sort of admiration I think I I really learned everything I had to but like I had certain abilities I wasn't aware of. Like when I was four years old, I kind of mastered my own mother tongue and nobody like kind of taught me my mother tongue. My first language is English because my mom thought that it would be better if I actually learned English first. Because really? everybody else speaks in, uh, English and to communicate with foreigners, you need English. Um, and uh, that's why she taught me English. She was like so concentrated 
for me to actually develop my uh, vocabulary in order to speak with everybody around the world. She had this kind of motive that I wasn't meant to just be in Sri Lanka. So she's like, she feels like she would actually teach me and focus on English so much, but I kind of, at the age of four, I was, I knew what my parents were talking about because I connected their actions to their words. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so I could speak too. At four, I, I was like speaking my own mother tongue and my mom was like, I didn't teach her. <laughs> that is beautiful. And do you also speak Romanian and French as well? Yeah, I uh, studied uh, Romanian for a year. So like I kind of uh, know like Romanian a bit, but my French is more better, I would say, because I learned French ever since I was in grade two, you know, we had to choose a language. And it was like at grade two, I was like automatically in the advanced um, Sinhalese class. That's our mother tongue. So I just, I just went there. It's like, it just happened. It's like the teacher said, your vocabulary skills are good. So I had to put you in the advanced class. So I just came there by accident. <laughs> I'm That's supposed fantastic. to be in the, <laughs> I'm supposed to be in the supportive, um, but I just came here by accident. And uh, um, uh, she said that your vocabulary is good. So you have to be in the advanced class, not the beginner's class. And she put there, she put me there and she's like, it doesn't matter if you can write. If you can't write now, you will learn that. And she put me in the advanced class. And I chose French because for me, it was more easier. Like, uh, because in English and French, you have the same letters in my, um, in uh, like um, my language, my mother tongue, we have like more than 27 letters. We have almost 67 or something like that. Wow. And it's a uh, completely different letters. It's like, um, my Romanian friends calls, calls uh, it fruits because they they look really round. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. That's amazing. So what is the native language of Sri Lanka? Sinhalese. Because Sinhalese. we are like, um, it's a Buddhist country and consists of 75% Sinhalese. And then we have, um, we have other languages like Tamil as well. That's incredible. Yeah. So languages have come to you very, very naturally, and you studied very, very, very hard and put so much effort into it, and you have always had this beautiful, innate desire to serve, and your mother naturally assumed that that meant that you would be going into the medical profession, and you yeah. did receive a scholarship. So not only were you accepted into medical school, but they wanted to pay for your medical school so that you could, you could do this. I'm kind of curious why you chose Romania, but then at some point during your studies, you changed your mind and decided that that was not your life calling and that that was not the way that you wanted to help lift and serve others. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what's the next step in the story here. It's a long story and very interesting one. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, so like um, I studied really hard and uh, at the beginning like I wasn't really good at math and I had only my uncle to teach me and my um, my parents couldn't afford extra tuition. 
So it was my uncle who was teaching me. And then like at the age of 15, I was doing like physics maths instead of doing like physics, which was, I didn't know. I think because I was this one of these curious, like uh, driven students, you know, if it, if I take the entire like textbook, math textbook, I did all of the sums in the textbook. I didn't even miss one. Wow. I, it, I was I was really like focused. I, I am also anemic. Um, I was anemic uh, from a really young age. Um, and uh, people would tell me that uh, the, uh, if the anemia got worsened, I wouldn't be able to concentrate or focus or attain memory. But like, I somehow managed to attack, you know, I'm so glad. <laughs> so you got accepted to Romania. And now you're in school, and I would imagine you'd have to speak Romanian really well to attend college there. So did you study first and then go, or did you study Romanian while you were there? Yeah, so the thing is that at first I tried to apply to universities in the UK. Um, And I did like uh, one of the most hardest exams in the world. It's called BMAT. It's the entrance exam for like top universities in the UK. And top medical universities in the UK. It's a biomedical admissions test. And um, I, I passed it with uh, good uh, good marks. Um, but the thing is that there were not enough seats to go in. Because when you take the UK, first of all, they first consider the UK citizens, then they consider Europeans, then the Americans, and we're kind of last in the list. So... Yeah, so I that didn't turn out well. That's why I accepted the scholarship, and I thought that okay, this would work out. So, what what was in the scholarship was like I had to study Romanian, and um, then I would um, learn how to do uh, the courses in English, and then we had to switch afterwards to the language. Really? So English yeah. is the medi- the mediator kind of between? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you had that one down. All right. So the thing is that like I was studying and so like I had a year to myself. So when I, kids come from a really strict culture and they have a year to themselves, it's like, oh my gosh, this is freedom. It's like that feeling. It's, I've never actually felt freedom in my life because I was always indoors. My parents didn't let me go out all the time. I wasn't allowed to like hang out with friends all the time, go out, have a boyfriend, that sort of lifestyle. I was like mostly indoors. Um, I used to go from the house to school, house to school, maybe to my relations place. And if there was a party, probably a hotel, but like really rarely. And um, so that was kind of my life. And the first day I was alone, okay, I was like, okay, I have freedom for myself. It's now, it's time to actually find out what the world is and what the world looks like. And uh, for the first time, um, my parents um, always want to keep an eye on me because I'm the first child in the family. So they want to make sure like things go right with me before they go right with my two siblings. And I also tutored them as well. So... I have that responsibility as an elder sister. And uh, what I went through was like uh, during my first years like of med school, like I had uh, several panic attacks, uh, anxiety, 
and I was like uh, in the verge of like uh, getting depression. I got depression and then actually moved out of it, which is Good. pretty cool. And I there were there some things happened like I met with an accident while I was in Romania, and mm. yeah, um, like uh, the glass shed. I remember in the taxi, I was in the front seat, the glass shed, and uh, it just came at me. But like, for some reason, like it, um, I think it was like gods, um, because gods were watching me or some thing. Um, all the cuts were superficial on my head. Oh, good. But I was bleeding. I was bleeding heavily. And uh, people looked at me and it's like, there was this old lady. And she took me to the pharmacy and uh, they put a bandage on my head, on my forehead. And I went all the way to like the uni's uh, hospital. And uh, they looked at me, scanned me. I went through several procedures the entire day. And they said, thankfully, nothing has happened in your body. Oh, good. Yeah. It's like, you know, some, you know that something is protecting you when these sorts of situations happen. Yes, you have and, a purpose. Yes. And um, I remember like once um, there was an exam, I woke up. I was living with my roommate at the time. As I woke up at 5 a.m., I stood up and as I stood up, I fell down. I couldn't move my legs. Oh, dear. Yeah, there were several scenarios that took place. So I, um, I was, I was seeing blobs of like black blobs everywhere. And, uh, it's, uh, now that I think about it, it was because of the anxiety I was feeling. I see. It was, it was so much. It was like on another level, normal people could comprehend because I was going through so much in my family. It's like, I had the weight of responsibility. I have the, um, I had to, because I was doing medicine now, it's kind of like all the relations are depending on me. I'm coming from that sort of culture. And it was too much for me to hold at the same time. It's that um, I really, I came to that realization. And um, I, I can remember that day I was like crying and like sliding on the floor like dragging myself and like um, trying to stand up, uh, use the bathroom door as uh, a lever to stand up and the wall beside it. And um, too bad, like I have kind of read that um, if you can't uh, balance yourself, it's, you have to balance it by puking as well. It sort of helps with the balancing because I felt like I was shot in the spine. It oh. felt like it was shot in the spine. Really? And yeah. And it's like having, when you're in a position like that, all these thoughts that come to you, will I be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life? What will happen to me? It's like all of these sort of bad things or un so-called unfortunate events started piling up. And actually that day, was incredible. I managed to get my legs walking. I was late for the exam, but I managed to get a nine on 10, which is quite amazing. Congratulations. I, was, I, I didn't even think I could do that. I was, um, as soon as I got to hear the results, it was like, I never thought I could do that. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And especially right after an incident where you felt like you had been shot and you couldn't even stand and pull yourself up and then to be able to function well at an exam that you arrived late to. So you must be quite an amazing student. Yes, and uh, like I told my friends about it, and my one of my friends, like I, like she knows that I write really good stuff, full of meaning, and it's full of meaning because it's true. <laughs> and I have a blog about it, and I call her my my human lifesaver while I was drowning in a deep, vast ocean and trying to swim at a snail's pace. And um, in in this moment, she was like telling me, it feels like uh, you are uh, coping with life on another level compared to all of us. It's like if you are in level 102, we must be in level like 50 or something. <laughs> and because all of this happened at once, and I also got a chance to have like uh, to actually notice what a relationship actually feels like so I had that responsibility as well so I thought that like um, I was really fighting you know to actually keep everything in my life but I also knew that everything happens for a reason so if it doesn't work out it's just because you want to something better and um, I realized that um, my parents came after a year and they said they came here by the French visa and they couldn't stay in Romania for long. And um, because of my dad's business, um, he was he got a French visa because he's, he was a distributor for a um, Spanish company. And since we don't have a Spanish uh, embassy in Sri Lanka, they give you a French visa. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. So is that how you ended up in France then? Yeah. Is it's your visa like, French as yeah. well? Yeah. I'll be darn. I would never have supposed. And they so they came with French visa. So the thing is that they said like after like two years, um, they said that they were going to uh, kind of start. Uh, so we kind of had this idea to actually uh, been in France uh, ever since we had this kind of idea ever since we were in Sri Lanka. Really? Um, yeah, and it's just it was just an idea, but we never knew it would come true at the time. And uh, now that it was happening, my dad said, uh, we are going to France and we're going to give it a chance. And is and that then, when you left school and joined them in France? Yes, okay. after, that happened after a year. Okay. I joined them. I joined them after one year. And it was crazy because uh, I came I came to see them in a blizzard. It's like I left the country and I came to France. There was a blizzard. I had to wait eight hours for my flight, and then which was delayed for eight hours. And wow. um, everybody who was working in the flight told me that uh, my flight has been cancelled, but I did not listen to them, and I just went to the terminal. And to see that uh, the flight was actually just delayed for eight hours. Mm. It's like the people did know. I just didn't trust the people. <laughs> <laughs> so what and have I, you been doing now that you're in France and you've, you've uh, changed yes. your... And, yes. and your family, were they disappointed, I imagine, that you made this yeah, change in very, career? Yeah. yeah, they were very disappointed, especially my mom. 
because she wanted to tell everybody, oh, I have a doctor in the family. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And um, so I changed and my dad was okay with it because he knew the, what the circumstances were. And um, he, he wanted me to do, uh, learn a bit about business as well. And I was for it because uh, I wanted to make my own company. And he thought that he, I can actually go to for a job like this. Um, but I was like, um, I was thinking too far, too ahead. Um, I was thinking there are 7 billion people in the world and are there enough jobs for everybody? That's a question I would ask. And my dad would say like, you're thinking too far. <laughs> and then I was like, I was not taken into jobs because like the HR would like um, talk to me for one hour and we would have a, like a brilliant conversation and they would tell me, like I went to a magazine company because I'm a good writer and um, they said, you shouldn't be writing this good articles for a company. You were overqualified. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? And uh, because I, I, because I was writing about my own experiences into words, they were telling me if you're putting your experiences into words and if, if all of this is true, you should probably write your own book, do your own thing. And you did do that. Yeah, I did write a book. Uh, it's called Unveiling the Truth Behind Catherine's Destiny because it was true and it has also information like for young adults, what they want to know, what I needed to know, and I just put it there. Right, but you kind of changed it around so that you wrote it as if it were a, a fictional novel when it's really yeah. based on your story. Yes. That's pretty interesting. It is, um, and especially like everybody is sort of cynical about destiny and fate and stuff, especially if it's not them, if it's not their fate. And it's kind of weird because my name is kind of weird as well. It's not like an ordinary name. It has a, like a meaning. It's like a deep meaning. It's like uh, my first name actually means like um, the heat from the sun. Really? Yeah. And my second name is a tree, which is like uh, symbolic for nature. That's lovely. Yeah. So it's it has like two meanings there. And I've been actually, look, I, now that I think about it, I've been actually hunting down my destiny. <laughs> That's why I came here. And um, I did study for like uh, two years business. I just needed the course to like, courses uh, to actually make my own business, to actually learn how everything is going. Because my I knew my dad can't afford to pay because he always, he's... Whenever he puts me to a university, it's the best university in the world and the most expensive university because he wants the best for me. And um, as much as I like him doing that, um, I also tell him that even just a normal university that is not expensive can provide me the knowledge I need to succeed. But for him, it's a different, uh, he, he thinks in a different way. And uh, with these tools, like I kind of uh, have this idea to like restructure education. And uh, that's what I want to do because everybody in the, during the pandemic is all confused about what's going on. And I want to help them. 
That's yes. I made the podcast. That's I made the podcast. I started with the podcast and um when I was in the uni like everyone kind of knew me from the dean to the program director to the teachers because they are recommending me to tutor other people who are facing difficulties and while they tut like even the librarian also gave me a recommendation letter because I was so good at what I do. Yeah. So you went into business and then you decided that the, the, your passion seems to be in your podcast where you actually help educate people about the pandemic and yes. you also want to help work with education and help to restructure the to way that things are. It. When you restructure it, I feel like because this is what I learned um, coaching the students in the business sector is that, that um, they didn't know so many things that we knew um, because like, um, first of all, one thing when I was 11, I was like writing everything down in a diary about my life. So I was like questioning my own life in my own thoughts and then right, finding the answer to it. These people don't, I was like doing a comparison <laughs> between them. So writing and self-reflection and working yes. on things like that. That's beautiful. So are those the kinds of things that you would like to incorporate into education? Just that yeah. that writing and that introspection and that self-awareness and that yes. kind of thing? That's lovely. And about and your... Them, yeah. Coaching yes. them. If they, don't, if they don't fit in, I want to help them create their own business, find their own talents. Uh, I want to take... I want to understand them. I want to um, untie their string and knotted strings. I want to figure them out. I want to figure them out. I want to help them thrive in this very competitive world. If you're out of the, if you, yeah, if you're out of society due to some unfortunate events, that means I want to show them you have another way. The life doesn't end here, and there are people like me or somewhere too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure that you were called to do something that was specific. And it might not be for every person, but like you said, you're attracting a certain kind of demographic. So are you talking about uh, helping particularly education in the business sector or all education in general? All education in general. It's okay. kind of weird because like uh, I was looking up on people to interview on my podcast. And I came across like some, around 70 people and after 70 people, I met this incredible woman and she went to um, Harvard University and she told me that she made a book. Um, this, again, it's fake, I think, that I met her because she, she wrote a book and her book was called The Magical Marble Tree, okay? And in the picture, her, the picture in the book was meaning of my name. And what? she wrote it. Yeah, she Crazy. wrote that book, yeah. She wrote, wrote that book as a memoir for her dying mother, a dying mother who pioneered a special type of education previously. Wow. Okay. So you were meant to connect with this woman and maybe yes. even continue what she started or... or but uh, her mother started, yeah. Right. Well, her mother started. That's lovely. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your podcast and you talk about the pandemic and you talk about educating people. Right now there's a lot of fear. People are fearful and I'm, I'm hoping that you help people to not be afraid 
and to be yes. to feel and like it's going to be okay. Yeah, it is going to be okay. It's like the more you know, you will be less afraid. And like because um, the thing is that uh, like a lot of people have a lot of skepticism, especially about the rulers of the country and how they are governing the country. And what's going to happen in the coming days is like if you know how to learn, you will you will eventually evolve, especially into a stage. Um, there's there's an era that I actually talk about with one of my guests. That's on the episode that's releasing today, and uh, he talks about the era that comes right after the pandemic, and it's a type of new era because we are not going back to how things were right before the pandemic, it's something new because we have a lot of technological advancements, we have a lot of innovations taking place between these years that took, uh, took place at a faster rate compared to other years. So imagine when you were younger, you thought that you were, um, there would be streets, streets, there would be streets in the air, flying cars. Actually, they're doing it now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They are testing it now. They are learning how to hover vehicles into the air. And these type of innovations are happening fast at this um, during this pandemic because people are at home, they are becoming more imaginative and things are things are happening faster because of this pandemic. So this pandemic was a type of opportunity for people to become creative. And Isn't everything is happening online. And they're kind of alone at the same time. And I think it's a good thing that it's not a punishment to live by yourself and learn to live by yourself. Because when you learn to live by yourself, you can understand yourself better. Because you give a chance to understand yourself better in a more deeper manner. When you're always with people, you're too busy trying to understand them without understanding yourself. That's deep. So we have to learn to understand ourselves first. Yes. And that kind of goes back to when you talked about your journaling as, as a young yes. child and that, that self-reflection and that introspection and trying to figure out yeah. who you are. Yes. So it's giving people an opportunity to do that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, like I think don't think of, um, uh, especially during lockdown, everybody was inside and they thought of it as a punishment, but it's not really a punishment. It's something to be grateful. And this is the time that uh, there would be a great awakening. They will call the great awakening spiritually uh, considering because um, uh, people are beginning to see for the world, uh, see the world as it truly is. It's like a game. <laughs> For some people, it's it's like a game. It's a game to succeed in all areas in life. And some of them finally see it at uh, this stage because they are undergoing some sort of awakening. That's lovely. Not everyone is having an awakening. Some people are still asleep or they yeah. are just afraid. And yeah, so, and, and you talked well, about how when we, when we have that education, then we change and we evolve and... Sometimes we get misinformation, which is quite frustrating. Yeah. So the, I think part of the trick is being able to distinguish what is true. What yes. information that we're getting is true. And you're trying to present true information. And where are you 
reaching to get this true information in your your guess and everything yeah so for the vaccination procedure learned it uh, in med school itself so i know like the stages of what a drug is open how a drug or vaccine is like drug classified and how a vaccine is produced so in 2020 like um i would just post random stuff on my instagram account just tell it's like um because everybody had like so much of confusion happening from the pandemic i was like covid-19 does exist because i have talked to my friends who are like uh, med students and there are doctors who i know and they tell me that they're getting covid-19 patients so the disease do, does exist and i was like telling them all of this stuff what i'm um what i learn i'm telling them to my audience and i used to do this on instagram because i know like a lot of people actually look at my instagram stories so i just told the information and then um when the uh, vaccine came out at first i was like um this is the first time in history that a vaccine has come out within a, pe- a short period of time and um i so i gave them the steps of how a vaccine is produced uh, first we have like um the preclinical stage where you have animal testing then you have the clinical stage where you first uh, test like 10 to 100 healthy humans and these are voluntary healthy humans and this uh, period takes um, one to two years the animal stage also animal testing stage takes one to two years as well then we have um, the phase two uh, of the clinical stages that you test uh, around 1,000 patients who contain the disease. And again, this happens three to four years. And then you have uh, another, a third phase of the clinical phase, which is um, you that you test the drug on 3,000 patients who contain the disease. Again, this takes several um, years. And this is done against a control um, so that uh, you kind of measure the way the drug has been absorbed into the body, distributed all throughout and excreted. You monitor the side effects and you have a file that you have to fill. It's called the IND application, investigation of the drug. So that uh, uh, application is to do with investigating the drug. And then we have another application called NDA application. That is um, when the drug has been like approved by the FDA at each stage. Then there's another file that you had filled. It's like these these applications are like hundred thousand pages, like so wow, long. That's long. Yeah, yeah. And then goes marketing studies, post marketing studies before you put it out of the market. And these are there are strict rules. And I had a pharmacist also to clarify: is this the same thing that you've learned at that stage? And he said, yes, it's the same thing. And it's like it's like me clarifying with other people because like I haven't uh, received a degree, but like I have like a half MD. So half an MD, my knowledge is like half an MD. <laughs> so out of that knowledge, I'm trying to like um, clarify and learn more from doctors. So what you're describing, this process takes like a decade. 
or or in, more in order in, to be able to find beginning. something safe. Yes. And yet this was this uh, this process that's supposed to take place was condensed into a year's time or even a little less a than months. a year. Yeah, a exactly. Months. A few months of trying to get so so all the steps obviously were not taken and all yeah. of the research wasn't done behind. So your your impression then on the vaccine is it's probably not the right thing to do is that how you're feeling it's like um i feel like um at this point uh the vaccine if you are going to consider the vaccine it's better to give it to the people who already have the disease like the patients who have the disease but if you are like if you consider yourself healthy and i, I also have this in my podcast uh for people who have a weak immune system to just do not take it i think um you have a better risk of surviving without the vaccine and you have a better risk of surviving by isolating yourself. So people who have, I have the list, I have put a list for pregnant people, um, old, or people of old age, people who live with catheters, uh, the, uh, people who have diabetes, they are considered people who, uh, who have weak immune systems or people who already have like uh, a weak immunity uh, because they have an autoimmune disease. Hmm. Any other autoimmune disease, and I, that's the list. I, um, so and, your recommendation, yeah. forgive me, is that if you have a weak immune system, then this vaccine is not actually going to help strengthen your immune system. It actually puts you more at risk. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes, and there, there are files in, uh, in the FDA website if you have gone. And you have to see the side effects because, like, if if you you if something happens from the vaccine, um, you can't go to a lawyer or you can't do anything about it. And um, so the fault is with uh, the fault um, of these pharma companies. You can't do anything about it. So I think it's safe to not take it, especially mm -hmm. if you're healthy. And you should always talk and question like your local uh, physician or talk to an immunologist before taking the vaccine. Because I, I attended so many interns, like I, I did an internship, like three of them. And um, during the internship, like I make sure the patient like tells everything about their history of uh, diseases because I, before giving, before recommending a medication, you have to really find out like what's, what's affecting their body before. And then you have to weigh the benefits and the risk and then give them a drug because it's what you're giving them is something artificial, something chemical. And you have to weigh the risk and the benefits and then give it to them. Right. It's not something you can play with um so there's a recommended dosage right. and um it's something that you should follow because these are uh, definitely not good for the body right there's that list of, of advantages and disadvantages yes. and, and weighing on that scale what is going to be best benefit for you so yes. thank you. That's a lot to think about. So that's kind of what you cover in your podcast and that's the people that you interview and talk to and yes. That's fantastic. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for visiting with me today and for sharing your wisdom. 
and for for using your talents to to pay it forward and to be able to find your niche for helping people. I think that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I do help people with uh, who struggle with mental health because I have struggled with mental health. So I am asked. It usually happens because everybody has a story, and it usually goes back to their childhood. Like I, I was being bullied for being the weird one. Or the person who was the outcast, right? Because I was this kind of different, unusual kid who just didn't fit into society, and I still don't fit into society in some way. And um, yeah, like nothing has changed from that point. Especially um, the way I acted is like I would just wear it. I would try to be social, but nothing was happening. It's like. And again, it's happening for a reason. Right. And because of the, the situations and even your interactions, it enables you to maybe take a leadership role and say, I'm yes. not one of the masses. I am a leader. And yes. I, I love that, that innate desire that you have to serve. I have it as well. And I've also started a, a nonprofit to help people who struggle with mental and emotional issues. And it's called Hope for Healing. So, um, so we have a lot in common and it's beautiful yeah. that we are able to connect today and to be able to, um, find those things in common and hopefully be able to combine our efforts to share and to help and serve yes. and lift others. So again, thank you so much for being here. No problem. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Sarah Caldwell. She said, learn everything you can, anytime you can, from anyone you can. There will always come a time when you will be grateful you did. Today, I invite you to become a lifelong learner. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Music